The SEC says, hold up, wait a minute, not so fast. Georgia, you're not playing Oklahoma in 2023. Tennessee, you're not playing Oklahoma in 2024. What's this mean for conference expansion and really the accelerated process to get Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC? Or does it have nothing to do with that? We'll discuss right here on Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome into it. This is your Thursday edition of Locked On Balls, and I'm your host, Eric Kane. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Balls. I write for the VolQuest.com site. That's the On3 site covering the University of Tennessee football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting. And of course, I'm your host right here of Locked On Vols. Thanks so much for making it your first listen each and every day. It's Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And of course, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube. Please subscribe there and uh, anywhere else. All right. So the big questions, uh, the SEC comes in and puts the uh, pulls the emergency break and says, nope, Oklahoma, you will not be playing Georgia. You will not be playing Tennessee in the upcoming seasons. What's that mean? Um, who are the Akron Zips? We're going to get into a little bit of an Akron preview, at least about the personnel and whatnot. That's coming up later in the show. But also, I put a question on Twitter yesterday, and a lot of you guys responded. I can't thank you enough for that. What do you need to see against Akron on Saturday to give you good feelings, to give you some confidence moving forward into the big showdown against Florida coming up next weekend? All that and more coming up today right here on the show. So, No Oklahoma in 2024. The Southeastern Conference put out a release earlier on Wednesday, and it's a short one, so I'll read it word for word. (laughs) It says the Southeastern Conference has directed the University of Georgia and the University of Tennessee to postpone scheduled football games versus Oklahoma because the transition of Oklahoma into the SEC will not allow for the involved institutions to fulfill their respective contractual non-conference home-and-home appearance obligations. Because the second non-conference game in each of the Georgia and Oklahoma and Tennessee and Georgia and Oklahoma and Tennessee and Oklahoma series is scheduled to take place after Oklahoma joins the SEC in 2025, the conference is directing the postponement of the Georgia at Oklahoma game in 2023 and the Oklahoma at Tennessee game in 2024 until such time that those matchup becomes a part of the conference rotation of games in future years. So, I mean, that makes a whole lot of sense, right? Tennessee was originally supposed to travel to Norman, I believe. Was it 2020? Maybe I'm wrong there. I don't know. I, I think something was supposed to happen in 2020, obviously, but um, COVID put that, uh, you know, kind of squashed that. And so uh, they were always supposed to come to Tennessee in 2024. Now, um, since that first matchup got postponed, Tennessee was going to travel back to Norman later on. It had not yet been announced what year that was going to happen. Uh, but does this mean, does this mean that the accelerated process of Texas and Oklahoma getting to the SEC before 2025? It could. It very well could be. It's all about how they negotiate out of their TV rights agreement and how the Big 12, you know, deals with uh, getting rid of the, or not getting rid of those two, uh, exiting of those two flagship programs. So we'll have to see. It very well could mean that. But more so than anything, I think it has more to do with the SEC nearing a conclusion to their scheduling model for the futures. Dennis Dodd at CBS Sports also agrees with what I initially thought as well. He tweeted out on Wednesday's sources. Today's SEC Oklahoma scheduling announcement does not 
indicate movement on Oklahoma or Texas leaving the Big Ten early. That could happen, but this is not an indicator. Best guess, SEC close is close on its future scheduling structure. It needs those Oklahoma-Georgia, Oklahoma-Tennessee uh, games back for competitive balance. That would make a whole lot of sense because if the SEC goes to a nine-game conference schedule, that's adding one more SEC game to, of course, the already eight-game slate that uh, the conference has been involved with for the last, I don't know, however many years it is. And, you know, that would mean Tennessee's taken on yet what would have been another SEC team here in the next couple of years. That's in 23 and 24. Also, again, the second half of those, not doubleheaders, but the second half of those home and homes were already going to be scheduled for later on down the line. So it makes no sense. I mean, pretty much whatever happened on Wednesday with this announcement, it was, I mean, it was breaking news, obviously, but it's, it was expected. We knew this was going to happen eventually down the line because Oklahoma and Texas are coming to the Southeastern Conference. You knew that that late, uh, the second leg of the double of the home and home was not going to happen because, again, they would already be a part of the conference rotation. So, again, I, I still think it could mean, it, it very well could mean that Texas and Oklahoma arrive in the SEC prior to 2025. Could it be in 2023? That's next season. I don't know about that. But could it be that sweet spot in 2024? You know, we'll see. We'll have to find out. But I really do think it's because of the scheduling model. We'll have more on that here in just a moment. Uh, this is from uh, Director of Athletics from Tennessee, Danny White, said in a statement, while we are disappointed that we won't be hosting Oklahoma in 2024, we are extremely excited about the marquee games that Oklahoma and Texas will bring to Neyland Stadium in the future as fellow members of the Southeastern Conference. In the meantime, we are actively exploring the best possible replacement uh, for opponents for 2024. Now, you take a look at that uh, schedule, the future schedules um, at fbsschedules.com, one of my favorite websites to go look up future schedules, uh, where the Oklahoma game was supposed to take place in 2024. The other non-conference games are Kent State and UTEP, so obviously not a whole lot going on there. Uh, 2025, Tennessee has Syracuse and the Atlanta Chick-fil-A kickoff classic, whatever it's called, and UAB. 2026, Tennessee is at Nebraska for the first leg of that home at home, Western Michigan and Furman. 2027, the only non-conference game schedule right now is hosting Nebraska. 2028, you are at West Virginia, or you're playing West Virginia in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're going to dial it all the way back here to 2018 because, you know, 10 years later, 10 years earlier, that didn't happen. We've already had that experience, but whatever. 2029, Tennessee hosts Washington. And 2030, Tennessee will be at Washington. So, again, there are slots available for non-conference games, but when ten, or when the SEC likely, in my opinion, goes to a nine-game conference uh, format, that will take the place of one of those non-conference games. And the, the legislation that every Power 5 team must schedule another Power 5 team from non-conference play in one of the four slots – will be probably next, right? I mean, that's probably not going to happen anymore. So interesting. I mean, again, we knew this was going to happen. This is not shocking whatsoever. Uh, but the news did come down on Wednesday that Tennessee and Oklahoma will not be meeting in 2024. But, you know, they'll be a part of the rotation in 2025 and beyond at the early, or at the latest. It could be even earlier than that. Now, remember, in terms of this future scheduling model for the Southeastern Conference, it has been considering two different models an eight-game conference schedule or a nine-game conference schedule. Okay, the eight-game would be one permanent opponent and six or and seven rotating opponents each and every year. So in that model, our belief is that Tennessee would continue to play Vanderbilt, the in-state opponent, every single year 
And then on the schedule every single year, it would be rotating uh, seven of the league's 16 games or 16 teams. Now, under that model and under the other model we'll get to in a moment, you will still get to play every single team in the Southeastern Conference once every two years. So that's really, really interesting. But if it's an eight-game model, it's the 1-7. Tennessee would stay and play Vanderbilt every year, and then a rotating cast of seven other teams. If it's a 3-6 model, Tennessee would have three permanent opponents on the schedule every single season, and then six rotating. Again, you're still seeing every other team from the Southeastern Conference every other year, which is really, really cool. Again, that's what is beautiful about college football, in my opinion, because you've got, of course, nine games there, eight, eight plus two is 16. There you go. There's your 16. Uh, the three permanent opponents in that model would likely be, you know, Vanderbilt, of course, probably Alabama. And then that third game would be intriguing. Could be Florida, Georgia, or Kentucky. My bet, my best guess would be Kentucky. Um, Florida and Tennessee don't really have a historic rivalry, you know, really just playing every single year since 1992. And I'd, I'd be down to play Georgia every single year, but I just think that the decision makers would value Tennessee and Kentucky because it's one of the more longstanding rivalries in college football and in the Southeastern Conference uh, compared to Tennessee and Georgia. So that's kind of what I assume is going to happen. Could this mean that Oklahoma and Texas come to the SEC as early as 2024? Potentially. But I think this is more to do with Tennessee, or excuse me, the SEC is finalizing its future scheduling model, which I believe will be a nine-game conference schedule. And thus, there wouldn't be room, or you don't need that other, you know, of course, they'd be in the conference by then. And then, you know, potentially you'd be playing another Power 5 opponent on top of that. It's just for competitive balance, I, I do understand that. So uh, we will see. But the news coming down on Wednesday, it does affect Tennessee, obviously, because one of its opponents for the 2024 season um, has been taken off the schedule, and that's Oklahoma. But don't worry, Tennessee and Sooners, Sooners Nation, the Sooners fans, We'll get going and play each other once they get in the Southeastern Conference, which will be a whole lot of fun. So I uh, wanted to bring that on the show and kind of tell you, kind of break that down and let you know uh, if you hadn't seen the news or wanted a further explanation, that's kind of what that was about, and that is how it affects the University of Tennessee. All right, what do you need to see from Tennessee in this game against Akron? That's coming up next right here on Locked On Balls, But first, Bet Online, it's your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. Final latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games. Bet Online is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head on over to the website today or... Use your mobile device, learn about the latest trends and all the action. Bet online, it is where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys. Welcome back into your Thursday edition of Locked On Vols. I'm your host, Eric Kane. So glad to have you guys with us here today. I put a question out there on Twitter at underscore Kaner and also quote tweeted it at Locked On Vol. So go ahead and give those two accounts 
a follow if you don't mind. But it's a simple question. We continue to think Florida, 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 and that's fair. You know, we're media covering the team. We're fans. No one's getting juice. No one's getting excited for this Akron game. But it is the next game on the schedule. Akron will not beat Tennessee, but you don't want to go out there and just go through the motions and have a sloppy performance heading into Florida. So it needs to be sharp, clean, precision. Uh, this offense needs to get out there and score a whole lot of points. Defense needs to pitch close to a shutout. You need to create some turnovers. Turnovers. You need to hold on to the football, all that type of stuff. And you need to get out of here with a convincing win and have some momentum built towards that huge, huge Florida matchup coming up uh, the next week. So for that, I'll just put the simple question out there at underscore Kaner. Question for the weekend. What do you want to see from the balls against Akron? Florida's coming up. What do you need to see to feel uh, more confident? And you guys did a fantastic job of, uh, you know, giving me a ton to work with here in terms of, um, you know, what you want to see. Tim chimes in, says improvement on special teams. No doubt about that. Clean up the mistakes from Saturday uh, that uh, this will be difficult to track because of the opponent. And and that, that is extremely, you know, accurate. What did we learn about Tennessee from the Ball State game? I'll tell you, not a damn thing. Not a thing. I hate those type of games to kick off the season. I'm not saying you should go and play Alabama week one, but it's so difficult to learn anything from your football team with an opponent like Ball State. So um, it's going to be difficult to track the improvements from a game like Akron as well. You're not going to learn much about your football team. You just want to get guys work in and you want to get guys some some actual game reps and, and you know, really more stats in terms of building confidence, like I said, for Florida. Tim, great answer there. Uh, Julia says, high-power offense. Absolutely. That was three points in the second half of regulation at Pittsburgh. It's got to get better than that, no doubt about it. Sam says, uh, like to see Hendon be a little bit more clean and crisp with his passing, especially on short passes. Let those wide receivers get their yak. That's exactly right. And, you know, the coaches have said on two straight weeks here to begin the season that uh, Hendon had a little bit of, you know, footwork mechanical issues at the beginning of the games against Ball State and and Pittsburgh. Why is that? I mean, obviously he fixed it and went on to have, you know, good games and, and started, you know, padding his stats and whatnot. But, you know, why is that? I, I want to know. Um, can you work on your accuracy? Uh, that overthrow can't happen. Um, you know, just throwing high early in football games. Again, I, I can't continue to stress this enough. I'm not saying Hendon Hooker's playing bad so far this season, but he can play better. Everyone can play better, but he's left a lot out there, even though he's gotten a lot too. So Sam, good observation there. Oh, we'll go to Drew. Drew says, faster starts, better accuracy early from Hendo, no drops, no MAs. MAs means missed assignments. And I'll say this, I mean, even in a game like this, you know, missed assignments are a, are, are, are a part of football. You're going to have missed assignments. That just, you know, is what it is. But limit those. You know, obviously you should not have as many missed MAs in this football game than you do in a normal football game. Faster start, absolutely. As as I forgot who it was, but uh, someone called me out on Twitter Tuesday, and and rightfully so. Call me out on that stuff. I I preached on this show last week. Hammer the over. Hammer the first quarter over. Hammer the first quarter over for Tennessee every game this week. And it took them four series to actually get going. It took a big uh, interception from Trayvon Flowers to kind of turn the tide there early in the football game for that offense to get going. So Tennessee needs to get out on a faster start, no doubt about it. We just spoke on the accuracy issues. Uh, good stuff there from Drew. We'll go to Carlos. High power offense utilizing the wide receiver, tight end, and running back at its full potential. 
Yeah, I, I don't know um, if you'll see necessarily that. Uh, utilizing those positions, their full potential means getting creative with the offense and the play calling. And, you know, I mean, why do that against Akron, right? But I know what you're trying to say. You want you want it to, to, to be a beatdown, and you want wide receivers and tight ends and running backs to have a big day. I'll say this as far as the running backs. You need to get that run game going. I know that about it. You need to get that run game going. Um, again, I, I, I sound like a broken record here, but you're not – if you go out there and run for 250 yards against Akron, that's good. I'm not going to sit here on Monday morning and say, or Monday, yeah, Monday morning and say, Tennessee's a great running football team because, again, it was Akron. But what it does do is it builds confidence, again, for Florida. Appreciate that, Carlos. We'll go to Rocky Top KGS. I'll tell you what I don't want to see. No looking forward, forward to Florida. Play a clean game with no injuries. Get the dub and get ready for next week. Yeah. Uh, again, Josh Heupel mentioned earlier this week that the team didn't have a clean and mentally focused practice week last week heading into Pittsburgh. I don't care who the opponent is this week. I'm sure the coaches will be all over the team, you know, to keep, keep their mind right. And they said as much, uh, earlier with media availabilities that it doesn't matter who's coming up next. They're going to prepare the same way, which is a given, but still it's good to hear them say that. Uh, we'll go to Matt special teams perform a bit better. 100% had a blocked uh, punt nearly had a block punt against ball state as well. And um, get a muff punt. Uh, what I would do with Trayvon Flowers, a, a popular question uh, that I've gotten this entire week was, well, do they try somebody else out of punt return? Well, I think D. Williams is going to be the option at punt return. He's hurt. I don't know how long he's going to be out. I mean, it, you know, he's, he's got a sh shoulder deal right now. But even in camp, I don't remember there being many other options at punt return. Now, kick return, there were a couple of different options. You know, you got Dylan Sampson that's been mentioned. Um, Squirrel White maybe as a punt return. I don't know, but really at punt return, D. Williams and, and and Trayvon Flowers are the two guys. So in a game like this, Akron will be punting an awful lot. Get him back there and get him some work. If he doesn't look good, try somebody else out. But he needs those reps no matter what because I do think it will be Trayvon Flowers uh, continuing to return punts. So we'll have to see exactly if I'm right, but that's kind of what my best guess is. Uh, Matt says special teams are a bit better. We just said that. Uh, that was you. I just read it twice. Um, let's see here. Mike says, I want to see nothing new. Just get a big old lead early, then develop the young guys. Absolutely. That's what this game should be about. Pat says, no injuries. Yes. The number one thing in any game like this is to get in and get out and don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. This is not a preseason game, but it has the feel of a preseason NFL game, right? Get in and get out. Do not, I mean, get a big lead and get those guys out of there. Let those young guys develop just like what was just said, but no injuries. That is key. Uh, we will go to firefighter of all run game, get locked in on those throws and take care of business early. So there's lots of time for the young guys to play and learn. Absolutely. K Wayne, my guy, K Wayne says, I like for Tennessee to get the tight ends and run running backs more involved in the passing game. You know, what's interesting Tight ends for sure. Jacob Warren had a big reception, but really the tight ends of, I think, had a combined two catches and two games here in the early portion. I never think the tight ends are going to be a big part of this passing offense, though they are very critical in the offense overall. Uh, but it's kind of funny. Hendon's first pass of the football game was a little swing pass out there to Jabari Small. That the only time that they they did it, but uh, that was the first pass attempt for Hendon in that football game. So I think it might have came on play number one as well. Uh, last one we'll get here. This is from Eric. The continued physicality of the defense. Absolutely. More efficient offense and sure up the special teams. Uh, we talked about the other two, but 
the continued physicality of the defense. You want them to be an, you want them playing offense on defense. So that what that means is you want them being aggressive, just like they were against Pittsburgh. Job well done to Tennessee's front seven, really Tennessee's defense overall, and just getting after it at Pittsburgh. All right, guys, appreciate you so much for tuning in and answering my question on social media. Talk about some easy show content, but hey, it's a way to uh, a little extension to Twitter Tuesday a little bit. So I really do appreciate that. All right, when we come back, who's Akron? Who are the Zips? I'm going to give you a quick rundown on exactly what their personnel looks like heading into Saturday. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Vaults. Just a couple minutes left here on this Thursday edition of Locked on Vols. Welcome into it, guys. Again, if you're new to the show, hope you're enjoying it. Please subscribe and find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. We are cruising past 3,400, just about to get to 3,500, and uh, really, really well on our way. So I can't thank you enough for that. All right, Akron. It is what it is, right? The scat, the scats, the stats are skewed. <laughs> the stats are skewed a little bit for Akron because... It just came off a 52 to nothing beat down at Michigan State. All right. So, um, you know, it, it's a little one sided. They did have an overtime W to kick off the season against St. Francis, 30 to 23. Akron is one and one on the season, but again, coming off a 52 to nothing loss at Michigan State. Uh, total offense Akron is averaging 299 yards a clip in two games so far this season. Uh, they're averaging giving up 470 yards a contest. Uh, they're averaging 4.5 yards per play, average giving up six yards per play on defense. Passing offense, things slung a little bit. Now keep in mind they're playing from behind. They were the entire game against Michigan State as well. But uh, 240 yards passing per contest, 245 is what they give up through the air per contest. Rushing offense, 60 yards, not a good running football team at all. And again, 50, you know, they lost 52 to nothing against a Big Ten team, so it makes sense. 60 yards on the ground, 224 yards is what they're giving up on the ground. So a great opportunity for that run game. But again, some of these offensive numbers I'm mentioning their offense last year, 20 points per game. They're averaging 19 points per game. I uh, forgot to mention that, or excuse me, 15 points a game uh, this year. Um, they were net, they were dead last in, uh, in the Mac last season with, with running the football and they were dead last in the Mac and, and 38 points per game given up last year in defense. So, uh, this was a two and ten football team a season ago, one and seven in MAC conference. God, I, I did it again. MAC in the MAC, the Mid Atlantic Conference. This is not the Mid Atlantic Conference conference. Oh, geez. All right. So, not a good football team last year. Not looking like to be a good football team this year. Uh, yards per carry on the ground. Akron, Akron is averaging two. Opponents averaging five point one. They've scored two rushing touchdowns, while opponents have scored eight so far this year. Uh, thrown for two passing touchdowns. Opponents have only thrown for one passing touchdown, but why throw it when you can just run it all over Akron? Um, let's see. Fumbles lost, four for Akron, only one for opponents, but interceptions thrown. Opponents have thrown three picks against Akron, while the Zips have not thrown one interception just yet. Third downs, they're atrocious, 21% on third downs. Opponents are converting on 40%. Uh, fourth downs, 66%, only three opportunities, though, in that one. Tom possession, they're possessing the football about 27 minutes and 41 seconds. And uh, they've corralled three sacks, tallied nine tackles for loss. They have given up 11 sacks and uh, allowed 19 TFL so far this season. The offensive line a season ago gave up a nation-worst 57 sacks 
and they do return two starters from that unit. So 57 sacks is what Akron gave up last year. That was 131 or however many teams there are, 131, 132 of 131 or of 132. It was dead freaking last. Um, Here's the bad thing for Akron. Uh, Their best player, quarterback DJ Irons, he was, uh, according to the television broadcast of that football game, he was he exited in the second quarter with a lower leg injury. It looked like he couldn't put any uh, any weight on one of his legs, so he might not even play in this football game. He is a legitimate dual-threat quarterback. Um, 400 yards passing so far this season, two touchdowns, completing 62% of his passes. Um, his backup, who will likely get the start if he can't go, and I'm not – I mean, I haven't, I, I haven't made contact with anybody at Akron yet. I'm trying to. I've been trying to all week. I don't think he's going to play, but if he doesn't play, uh, his backup, Jeff Undercuffler, yes, Jeff Undercuffler is his backup quarterback, a transfer from Albany State. Uh, he did throw for like 6,000 yards in four years at Albany State, but uh, in relief last week, he completed only 50% of his passes and threw for 80 yards. A Minnesota transfer running back, Cam Wiley, is the lead back for them in the offense. He's got 114 yards on 31 carries, two touchdowns. Leading rusher from a season ago is John Zell Norris. He has two attempts for negative two yards so far this year, but he's also an option. Uh, bright spot at wide receiver, Shockey Jaquez Lewis. Again, that is Shockey Jaquez Lewis. In two games, 11 receptions, 153 yards, and a touchdown. And he's also their kick returner. Um, you look over on the defensive side of the football, not a whole lot better. They've given the 4-2-5 look a lot so far in the early going. Uh, you've got Bubba. Arshlanian, yes, Bubba Arshlanian's a good uh, a good linebacker for them. He's got 15 tackles so far this season. Their leading tackler last year is a fellow linebacker who's back, Jez Lord Boating. Um, he had 80 tackles a season ago. Victor Jones is their best guy up front, 13 tackles, four TFLs and a sack so far this season. And then in the secondary, uh, you had a secondary that was just atrocious a season ago. See, Akron was next to last in the country in opponent third down conversions in 2021. So that's not really about the secondary, but it's about the defense. They were next to last in the country and allowing opponents to secure first downs on third downs, um, which is not a good mark. But oh, here's on the secondary. They only had six interceptions all season long last year. Half of those, three of those came from cornerback Charles Amanaqua probably mispronounce his name. He is on the roster. He has not yet appeared in any game, so my uh, assumption is that he is hurt. They got a couple of transfers at the safety position this offseason. Let's see. You got um, K.J. Martin from West Virginia and Nate Thompson from Duke. They're starters. Uh, They run a lot of defensive backs on and off the field, though they play about five or six at a time. So that's a little bit about Akron. I didn't want to spend much of our Friday show kind of going over it, but wanted you to have some nuts and bolts on who exactly Akron is, who they bring challenges. If DJ Irons, the quarterback, plays, he's a pretty decent player. I mean, he won't win them the football game, but he's a pretty decent player. I don't think he'll play. We'll see. Um, and um, their wide receiver, Shockey Joaquez Lewis, is probably one of their other uh, best players. So uh, that's Akron. I expect Tennessee to absolutely roll in this one. The line is 47 last time I saw. Again, I always say stay away from lines when they're four touchdowns or greater just because you never know exactly what might happen. Now, Tennessee covered Ball State. I get that, but you could very easily get your reserves into the football game and start working on some things or they might struggle or something, and you're still you're still blowing them out. But 
I mean, 47 points, is a, I mean, it's a heck of a lot of points. Now, Michigan State, I don't know what that line was, but they won by 52. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here. But uh, I expect Tennessee to win big and to win convincingly, getting in a whole lot of players, a lot of Dylan Sampson, a lot of Justin Williams-Thomas on offense, a lot of Joshua Josephs, a lot of Tyree West, um, you know, maybe Christian Harrison at cornerback those type of games, Elijah Herring at linebacker as well. All right, that is going to do it for your Thursday edition of Locked On Vols. Can't thank you enough for hanging out and making your day start with us right here on Locked On Vols. If you want another listen, make Locked On SEC with Chris Gordy your second listen. He'll take you around the SEC team to team to team in 30 minutes or less every single day. Locked On SEC, make that your second listen behind Locked On Balls, which is your first listen each and every day. Continue to support the show on YouTube. Thank you so much. Hit that subscribe button and tell a friend. We'll get you set for your football weekend. That's coming up tomorrow on Locked On Balls. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody.